0: Before we start our new series today, I have some very important reading material. No one's getting that yet. I'm just going to keep saying it's super important. Pay close attention. Two friends met one day after many years. One attended college but wasn't very prosperous. The other had not attended college and never had much ambition, but had become very rich. The educated one said to his friend, how has everything been going with you? Well, one day I opened the Bible at random, dropped my finger on a word, and it's, it said oil. So I invested in oil. And the oils, wells, they gushed and gushed, and, you know, I made a lot of money. Then another day I dropped my finger on another word, and it was gold. So I invested in gold, and those mines really produced. Now I'm as rich as Rockefeller. The educated friend was so impressed that he rushed to his hotel, grabbed a Gideon Bible, flipped it open, dropped his finger on a page, He opened his eyes and his finger rested on the words, chapter 11. (laughs) We're starting a series called Soul Prosperity today. So I thought that was appropriate, (laughs) you know. And the reality is Jesus came to save your soul. Jesus came to save your soul. I'm going to give you the purpose of this series right at the beginning. You ready? It's to fight for the soul of the church. I am going to fight for the soul of the church. I said it a few weeks ago, but the church, the Lord showed me the church has an autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease, specifically MS, multiple sclerosis, is a picture of the American church right now. It's the brain attacking the body. Heads of bodies telling them they're evil, rotten, no good. And I don't know if you know about MS, but what happens is your limbs don't work very well. You lose feeling, suffer depression, not very mobile. Sound like anything familiar? (laughs) The church has an autoimmune disease. The head's attacking the bodies. And we're going to flip the script on that because we're going to fight for the soul of the church again. We're going to do it. All right? If I haven't offended you yet, we're doing pretty good. The church has taught us, actually, something very, uh, what I would call, yeah, I'm just going to save that word. I'm checking the brakes here, being, being simple. The church has taught us that your soul is bad. You, who's, who's been in church more than five years? Raise your hand. You have probably heard that your mind is evil, your will is weak, and your emotions are pretty much useless. And a poor substitute for the things of God. And ringing any bells? This is what the church teaches. I've been leading worship for 15 years. I'm not new to this. I went from the womb to the pew. I was saved when I was 8 years old. Okay. And I've been around the block. I'm only 29, but I've I've been here. All right. I've been here, and I've been listening. We're told that our brains, our minds, our imaginations are pure evil. That our will is weak and good. It's just weak, and we're just weak. Weaklings. And that our emotions are pretty much useless. Yes, we have. But Jesus is the lover of our soul. So what the heck does he love about it? What does Jesus love about your soul? You know, I tried to find the word soulish in my Bible. I looked through three different concordances this week. You know what a concordance concordance is? A list of all the words in all the Bibles in every translation. The word soulish is not in there. Soulish desires. Who's heard that? Anyone? Yeah. Oh, that's very soulish. It's not in your Bible. The word is selfish, and we've made it synonymous with soulish. But there's no tie to that at all in your Bible. So maybe we haven't understood the purpose of our soul. How about that? Can I propose that to you? Is that okay? The reality is our soul, he loves our soul. He's the lover of our soul, and our soul is made to love him. All right, your soul is the vehicle for expression. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. On the earth right now, that's all you got to use. (laughs) You can use your body, but your body ain't doing nothing unless your mind tells it to, right? Unless you will it to, unless your emotions are allowed to be expressed. Hello? Okay. God thinks your soul is to die for. Look at your neighbor say, your soul is to die for. Come on, do it real loud. Your soul is to die for You know why I do that? I do that because the silence creeps me out. and just need a break every now and then. (laughs) And getting it on your lips helps you, not me. I promise. It helps you. God thinks your soul is to die for. The spirit-filled believer should expect to have their soul set free to its highest and best use. You should expect your soul to be set free to its highest and best use. Not to oppress your soul, but to be set free to its highest and best use. Amen. The soul's highest and best use, here's the bottom line. You can tune me after this. Tune me out after this. The best use is to express love to Jesus and to express the love of Jesus to others. That's your soul's highest and best use. I'm using my soul right now to put words together coming from my brain. I hope every word isn't evil. <laughs> All right. So part one, are you ready? That was my intro to the prosperity, soul, prosperous, soul prosperity series that's what it is all right i'm sorry here's the verse this is the anchor verse third john chapter 1 verse 2 you can write it down we have it on the screens for you it says beloved friend i pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering now leave that up for a minute because if you want to know what someone believes listen to how they pray <laughs> if you want to know what your family believes your friends believe listen to what they pray Listen to, like, when they stop thinking and just keep praying, you'll find what they really believe on the inside. Because out of the mouth, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So it just bubbles up out of you. What you believe will come out in your prayer life. It will. Like, if you're cursing people in prayer, if you're praying against your enemies, you know, that shows you what you need to believe. And John, this is John the Beloved. This is John who rested his ear on Jesus' chest. As far as we know, scripturally, he's the only one to hear his heartbeat, that up close and personal. This is John the Beloved saying, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. I hear a belief there. I hear a belief within John. Are you ready? This is the belief of John. Health and wealth are soul issues. I pray that you prosper in every way. You're continually enjoying good health just as your soul is prospering. I'm hearing what John believes by listening to his prayer. You follow me? Health and wealth are soul issues. Soul issues. (laughs) They are. They are. Money. That's what I'm talking about. Money and sickness, all that, soul issues. Now, I am not blaming you for your sickness. The devil is a liar. The devil is evil. He hates you. The devil hates you. And the devil afflicts people with things. Case in point. I've got this bad sinus headache, and we, if we prayed it away earlier. It came right back. So I don't know if this is a spiritual thing or not. I took a, I, what did I take, Mom? You gave me something. I took an ibuprofen, all right? Listen, I don't take medicine. That's like the first ibuprofen I've taken in like two years. All right, my head is killing me right now. All right, the devil hates you. You bear the image that he wanted. Come on, he wanted to set himself on God's throne. You're seated in Christ on the throne. Your new creation, you is the thing the devil always wanted. You know what God's plan was to taunt the devil? Make a bunch of his image bearers slam his head down with their feet. All right. You are the taunt towards the devil. Every day you wake up, every day you draw a breath, go, yeah, way. The devil is scared of you, man. So I'm not saying that all of your money problems and all of your health issues are directly tied to some lack of revelation or prosperity of your soul. I'm saying that they can be health. Health and prosperity can be soul issues. John believed they were. So it's a submission. It's something to think about at least, right? Amen? Amen. Yes. All right, so here's the process. So we're going to talk about the mind today, okay? We're going to go through a series. Scott Smiley is going to end this series with a bang, talking about our emotions. I'm really excited about that. You do not want to miss that. But I'm going to talk about your mind today, all right? It's the mind that matters. It's not mind over matter. It's the mind that matters, okay? You need to get your mind right. You've got to get the way you're thinking right. This is a biblical, it's just often in your Bibles, the thinking, your mind, what you think about is important. Brian said it, setting your mind on things above, right? Um, earlier in the worship set so let's talk about the process when God is speaking to your mind there's actually a process okay so God is spirit say spirit and he speaks to our spirit so God doesn't speak directly to your mind when God speaks God is speaking to your spirit here's how I know that I've actually said things that haven't entered my mind yet things come out my mouth that haven't come in my mind yet anyone experience that yeah I mean, like, good things, like, not bad things. Not like, I mean, not like frustration against your kids. I'm saying, like, there's things that come out of my mouth. I'm like, write, someone write that down. I don't know, I'm writing. I don't know, some, most of the time I'm taking notes on myself because I know I'm not speaking. It's by the unction of the Holy Ghost. God speaks to your spirit because God is spirit. Okay, that's the first part of the process. And then our mind translates what we just heard from the spirit. All right, so your spirit, biblically in in, uh, the Bible, your spirit is actually down here. It's called your heart, but the word for heart in Hebrew is actually kidneys. Every time it says heart, the heart, 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 it's the Hebrew word for kidneys. So it's the deep places. All right, spirit, heart in the Old Testament is actually the same thing. We actually don't get this, um, this little fun, nerdy Bible thing. We actually don't get the revelation of our triune person until Thessalonians with Paul. He says, "I pray that you would body, soul, and spirit be sanctified through and through. All that, but in the old, in the uh, in the Hebrew culture, and in the old, your spirit and your body were all there was, and your soul was when your spirit and body worked together in harmony. There's actually no separation in that mindset. So it was a piece of the meal. It was something that God was laying out before us as a tutor. And now we know through the revelation of the new covenant by the Apostle Paul. Are you okay?" That we are body, soul, and spirit. Hallelujah. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, triune beings in the image of God. Amen. Really good. So your spirit is down here, your kidney area, your deep places. When God speaks, he speaks to your spirit. It doesn't go from your head to your heart. No, it does not. A lot of people are like, I get that in my head but not in my heart. No, you don't. God just said something to your spirit that your brain doesn't understand yet. You don't have proper translation software yet. So, God speaks to our spirit, and if we shut off our ears to hear, our spirit will not catch what God is saying. So, you need to have your spiritual ears open, not just your brain on. You need to be hearing with your spirit. How do you do that? Jesus said over and over again, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. So, speak to your ears. Hey, ears open up. Maybe you need to, let's do it right now. Ears open, spiritual ears open in Jesus' name. Come on. And Jesus was constantly speaking spiritual things that were, and they, the people listening, were stuck in natural thinking. And this is where we get into some of the uh, dangers of hyper-literalization of Scripture. Hyperliteralization of the Word of God is what killed Jesus. Do you remember at his trial, they said, he said he will tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. They got it wrong. He didn't say that. He said, you tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. That's what Jesus said. They couldn't even quote him, right? They couldn't even pay attention. <laughs> Anyway, but that was, what, that was the lynchmen. They tear their clothes, and it's gone, right? That's blasphemy. They said, they, do we need to hear anything further? Do you remember this? That's Jesus' mock trial right there. It was an injustice of the worst kind. It was, they were taking his words, which were symbols and metaphors, and they were making it literal that he was talking about the actual temple. Are you following me? So the hyper-literalization of the word of God is a dangerous thing. It crucified Jesus. It was the final stone. It was the final straw. It ushered him to the cross. So let us not be those who need it to make sense in our brain in order to say yes in our spirit. Because if it's all small enough to fit in your head, it's not God. He doesn't fit in there. That lump of meat between your ears, you're saying God fits in there. You're saying you understand everything about God. You're saying God is under where you're standing. just going to let that sit for a second. God is not under where you're standing. You do not understand God. And that's a good thing because if you could, you could remake it, and that's called an idol. You're supposed to be wrapped up in the mystery of this thing. There's so much mystery. You know, we talk about Thanksgiving, and we're, we're a very thankful house. We celebrate. But you know there's a homonym for the word gate in Hebrew. The word gate enters gates with Thanksgiving. You know what the word for homonym is? It's storms. Enter his storms with thanksgiving. It's a legal translation of that verse. Revelation says, Through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. The word is trial. Enter his storms with thanksgiving. Through many trials we enter the kingdom of God. Oh, oh. There's mystery there. Mystery, all right? So our mind needs to translate, and our mind is not, you know, Jesus even said to his disciples, there are many things I wish to tell you, but you cannot bear them right now. So if God has said something to you, it's an invitation to bear up under it right now. It's an invitation to chew on it, to ask God for wisdom and revelation, to unveil it to your mind so that you can use it and you can be an expression of his goodness, his kindness, and mercy, so that the kingdom of God can reign in your life and others can see it. It's about expressing the truth of God. Amen? Amen. So your mind is not evil. Your mind is extremely useful. Hello? The renewing of your mind is like upgrading the translating software. It's like upgrading your ability to translate, all right? (laughs) If we don't grow in wisdom, we will not be able to process and see the things of the spirit. So wisdom is key. Wisdom in your mind, right? So let me, that's the first principle. So God speaks first to your what? Spirit, and then your mind translates. That's the process. Are you following me so far? yes. Okay, good, because I have to speed up. (laughs) So listen, I said this last week, but God's first language is not English, Greek, or Hebrew. It's picture. God's language is picture. God speaks through pictures. He said, tear down this temple. I will rebuild it. He wasn't saying the temple. He's speaking a picture. He's saying, my body is the temple. It's a picture. Hello? So a lot of you, I think you're daydreaming. God is actually speaking. A lot of you think you're just making stuff up when you, th- when you read your Bible and stuff. You feel like you're distracted because you have a bunch of pictures in your head and things like that. Is this resonating with anyone? But it's actually God revealing the truth of that scripture to you through a picture. You need to pay attention. I'm going to prove this to you. Jeremiah's first recorded prophecy started with this. It's Jeremiah 1, through 13. It's not on the screen. I'm going to go fast, so i just write down the verse if you want it. Jeremiah 1, 11 through 13. This is the prophet Jeremiah. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. The Lord said to me, you have seen well. Are you seeing this? <laughs> For I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot. Facing away from the north. That's your Old Testament example. This is Jesus used this constantly. To, he used picture constantly to teach his disciples. Mark 8, 14 through 21. Now the disciples have forgotten to take bread with them. This is at the, after the miracle of the multiplication. Except for the one loaf of flat bread. And as they were sailing across the lake, Jesus repeatedly warned them, Be on your guard against the yeast inside the, of the Pharisees and the yeast inside of Herod. And they're thinking he's talking about bread. Literal. He's not. It's a picture. But the disciples had no clue what Jesus was talking about. You feel confused around Jesus, welcome to the club. It's often, it's, it's all the time. They're always like, who is this guy? I don't get this. So they began to discuss it among themselves, saying, is he saying this because we forgot to bring bread? Knowing what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, why all this fussing over forgetting to bring bread? Do you still not see or understand what I say to you? They didn't know that his language was picture yet. All right, you need to get this today. Are your, ear, your heart still hard? You have good eyes, yet you still not see. You have good ears, yet you still not hear. Neither do you remember. When I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000 people, and how many baskets were left over? Afterward, 12, they replied. And when I multiplied the food to feed over 4,000, how many large baskets left over did you gather afterwards? Seven, they replied. Then how is it that you still don't get it? They're like, "Uh, I don't know how I don't get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, being around Jesus was tough. It wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. He's like, how do you still not get this? He's like, imagine the face on Jesus like, uh, guys, remember? Multiplied the snot out of that one time. And the second time, you're worried about not having enough to eat? Don't you know I'm not talking about the dang bread? You know what I mean? Like, that's how I hear Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> Here's another example. Jesus used parables like modern-day short stories or movies. This is why movies are so impactful. He did it to reveal mysteries. uh, Matthew 13, 34 through 35. Matthew 13, 34 through 35. All this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, whenever Jesus addressed the crowd, he always spoke in allegories. He never spoke without using parables. When he spoke to the crowds, here's a crowd. He would be here saying, consider the tree. He would say, I'm the bread of life. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. End of sermon. That's how he would preach. <laughs> he said, Whoever gets it, gets it. We're so worried about putting the cookies on the bottom shelf and making it simple for everybody. And we're handicapping the brain of the bride. So let me continue in the vein of Jesus. I'm going to give you three pictures that unveil the value of your mind, all right? I'm hoping these pictures will help you see the value of your mind, all right? Your mind is like the Google Translate for what the Spirit of God is saying. It's like Google Translate. You can put anything in Google Translate from any language, and whoop, there it is. It's in your language. Isn't that great? Come on. You can, like, find your way around Spain if you, have no, you don't know any Spanish at all with Google Translate, right? Anyone use Google Translate? Is this a bad picture? Okay, we'll keep moving. Your mind is also like the screen at the movies, Like this thing right here. It receives the projections of God's heart. Your mind is the receptacle for the projection of God's heart. What God is saying is projected on your screen. And you get to watch it happen because the language of God is what? Picture. Last picture. And I'm going to go through all three of these in a little more detail. Our mind is the conduit for things of heaven to be expressed on the earth. All right? You know what a conduit is? like an electrical conduit. It's the thing that carries the electricity, the spirit of God, the energy of God being, coming to earth using words. I'm going to prove it all. Let's back up. So your mind is like the translator. Here's the deal. When God speaks, he creates, right? Let there be light. And there was light. When God instructs, he builds. He puts structure within. When God speaks, he creates. And when he instructs, he builds. Instruction is structure on the inside. Are you getting the picture? He puts structure on the inside of you so you can withstand the storms of life. How we process what God says will, will determine how we, how we live, how we deal with trials, all of that. All right? It's not just about hearing. It's about processing and understanding what we hear. The disciples and others, they heard what Jesus was saying, but did not understand. Constantly look for it in the Gospels. It'll say, but they did not know what he meant. They did not know what he was saying. They did not understand a thing, a word that came out of his mouth. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? No, Jesus, we do not. Our minds need to be renewed so we can translate the meaning of what God says to us, all right? This is Romans 12, 2. You know it very well. It's in the ESV here. Do not be conform conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That by testing, by working it out in your brain, being transformed by the renewal of your mind, you'll be able to discern what is the will of God for your life what is good in life what's acceptable and perfect for you to do right you seeing this your mind is a translator all right and just a little side note colossians 3 actually says that your new self is being renewed a lot of us look at our mind as evil cuz of that verse your mind needs to be renewed you got the carnal mind you need to renew no god doesn't renew the carnal mind he removes the carnal mind <laughs> He gives you another mind. I can't get I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. But Colossians 3 actually says that our new self is being renewed. Colossians 3, verse 9 through 10 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. You have put off the old self and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, made new again. It was always new. It's got to get newer. Only new things get renewed in the kingdom. Are you okay? Only new things. God does not work on the old you. He kills the old you. I love what Graham Cook says. He's not fixing what is broken. He's giving you what is missing. He's instructing you. You, got, you need another encounter because you have some stuff missing. Hello? You're probably going to get it from that person who you really don't like. <laughs> Your mind is like the projector screen. Your screen needs to be clean. Come on, if this thing had rips in it and things like that, you would not see that image. Your screen needs to be clean so you can clearly see what God is saying. Here it is, Colossians 3. Uh, Brian was way ahead of me, which I love that. I didn't tell him I was using this verse. None of this is planned. That's the Holy Ghost confirming his word. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 and 9 through 10. Oh, look. I have that verse I just quoted from. Okay. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Let's say it together. I have died. My life is hidden in Christ. Come on. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I'm going to stop right there. You need to understand, we put that in the millennium. We put that in the rapture. We put that in places. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear. Other translations say, when we see him, we will be like him. You can see him right now. If he would just appear to you, you'd have a lot easier time arising and shining in the image and likeness of God. It's about seeing him. It's about getting the picture of who Christ is. Amen? All right, another place, Romans 6, 10 through 11. This is one of my favorite in the Passion Translation. By his sacrifice, Jesus died to sin's power once and for all, but he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Consider yourself dead once for all, continually alive for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same with you, since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal, while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. You need to think of yourself as unresponsive to temptation. Temptation is going to come when it comes, not if it comes. When it comes, go, I don't like you. Nothing about that is appealing. That's how you need to think of yourself. If you think of yourself the other thing, you're going to sin by faith. If you expect, you know, what is faith? It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So fear is just faith pointed in the wrong direction. Fear uses the same muscles as faith. It's just the conviction of things not hoped for and the assurance of things you don't want to see. But you use the same muscle because it hasn't happened yet. Hello? Okay. So if you have not yet been tempted today, But you right now think, when I get tempted, here's what I'm going to do. You have faith in your sinfulness. You have faith in your ability to commit disobedience. It's called spiritual adultery on Jesus. You're the bride, aren't you? Let's point our faith in the right direction. Let's not fear sinning. Let's just have faith that we'll love well. It's not what I'm preaching about. But your mind has to get in line with these things, all right? All right, that's the, that's the picture of the screen. Here's the last one. Your conduit. Your mind is a conduit. The mind channels the things of God into the earth. We're brokering the things of, heaven, of the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. Inasmuch as we are understanding the things of the spirit. Here's what I mean by that. This whole building was in someone's head at one time. Your car fit between someone's ears at one point. Because everything starts in the unseen. And then it's brokered into the seen. God imagined you. God imagined you. He made you in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He imagined you before you came to be. He knew you before you were knitted together in your mother's womb. He imagined you sitting in that chair, and that's why you're sitting there. Because he brokered it from the unseen to the seen. That's what your mind's supposed to do. It's supposed to be a conduit. When our minds are grounded and full of wisdom, we see heaven's influence all around us. We see the effects of heavenly realities being channeled into our everyday. Are you following me? Proverbs 9, 11 through 12 in the Passion Translation says, Wisdom will extend your life, making every year more fruitful than the one before. Hello. Do you want some wisdom? <laughs> so it is to your advantage to be wise, but to ignore the counsel of wisdom is to invite trouble into your life. The spirit of wisdom protects and guides us. Did you hear that? It's to your advantage that you're wise. If, you're, if you ignore wisdom, you're inviting trouble. Spirit of wisdom protects and guides us. All right? An electrical conduit, you know what it does? It protects and guides the current. It protects the wires and guides the current. Come on, this is a picture of your mind operating in wisdom. Are you seeing this? Yeah? Okay, good. Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, it says. In the spirit of your minds. In the Passion Translation, it says, now it's time, same verse, now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you. I'm sorry, Christ within as your new life. You're going to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. And live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. You belong to him. Oh, I'm debating something right now. Hold on. I need a picture. Holy Ghost. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. So, here's the deal. I, I don't know what the oil thing was. Did you see the oil video? It's still residue on that door over there. It was odorless, it was tasteless, and the only explanation is someone slathered it on there while we were having the meeting, and no one saw them do it. <laughs> so, I was asking God, what the heck is this? Because signs take you somewhere, guys. Signs and wonders are not the end. They point you somewhere. Have you ever seen a sign and like, I arrived. There's the sign. Welcome to Kentucky. Take a picture with the sign. We're here. Guys, we made it. I'm so glad we're vacationing in Kentucky right here in front of this sign. That would be stupid. That's the spirit of stupid right there. All right? So signs point you somewhere. So I knew that. So I asked God, and the sign on the, oil, the of the oil actually pointed me to a sign over the children's room. We never noticed before. We've been here for 13 weeks now, and the sign over the children's room says the Newman Recreation Room. The, I'm sorry. Let me say it the right way. It reads the Newman Recreation Room, the Newman Recreation Room, the Newman Recreation, the Newman Recreation Room. How did no one see that? It's where we have our kids in the new man recreation room. If that's not a confirmation of the message of this house, I don't know what is. You know what I'm saying? Signs take you somewhere. Yep. That's the conduit. That's your mind processing what the spirit is doing and making it make a little bit of sense. Hello? Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what the word truth there is? It's logos. It's logic. It's logic. People say the kingdom of God isn't logical. I'm like, well, then you're, I don't know what kingdom you're talking about because the king is logic. That's where we get logic from. The word logos is where we get logic from. I am the logic, Jesus said. I am logic. If it's logical, it's me. A little bit of mystery there, right? Because we think we, deter- we define logic as, you know, doesn't fit God in logic anywhere. It has to be illogical. Nope. Nothing illogical about loving your wives. Nothing illogical about serving one another out of love. Nothing illogical about, like, the, the deacons in the book of Acts being assigned to wait tables because the apostles couldn't, like, you know, read and eat and serve at the same time. There's nothing illogical about that. God is not a God of instability. You know the verse. God is not a God of chaos. The word there is instability. It's not a God of confusion. It doesn't mean if you're confused, it's not God. You're often confused with God, you guys. Hello? In fact, if you're never confused with what God says, I would go ask for someone else to speak to in your closet, all right? God says a lot of really confusing things that challenge my mind. He's the spirit that speaks the spirit, and it's supposed to bubble up to our brains. Are you following me? You have a beautiful mind. Come on, say it. I have a beautiful mind. I'm fighting for your soul right now. Join the fight. I have a beautiful mind. My mind is beautiful. My mind is to die for. Mm Mm-hmm. God has given you access, and access, access by his spirit to the very mind of God. Guys, did you know you have the mind of God? Did you know you have God's mind? All right, we're going to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 2. Yes, we are. I love breaking that preacher rule. (laughs) Don't read too much. They teach that, guys, in seminary. Don't read them too much scripture. They won't be able to handle it. That handicaps the brain of the bride. I just believe in your brain. I believe your brain can take the word of God just fine. And I think you need more of his opinion than mine. So, everybody preaches their opinion. I'm just honest about it. Okay. So here's the Bible. This is God's opinion. I'm trying to be kind to you. <laughs> I'm just excited. We have it on the screens here. This is how kind I am. First Corinthians chapter two, the whole chapter. Are you ready? You ready, Hyphson? Heifson's going to follow me. In the Passion Translation, that's why I put it on the screen. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to, I'm going to read it here. When I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah, To know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. That's what your Bible might say. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with the reverence for God, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, the mind of man, mind of man, mind of man, man's wisdom, A wisdom apart from the spirit of wisdom, which they call wisdom, but it's just knowledge that puffs up. Come on, the wisdom of man is not wisdom at all. There's one wisdom. It's spirit. It's lady wisdom, by the way. The spirit of Christ is lady wisdom. Yep. Okay. God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. However, say however. There is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. I call you every single one of you spiritually mature. You want to know why? You got more Bible in you than the, the Apostle Peter. You got years and ages of wisdom backing you up. You have the entire cloud of witnesses, including the mind of Peter, the strength of David, the tenacity of Joshua. You have all of it. You, it says you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I dropped this on you a few weeks ago. It's the word clothed. You're clothed with the cloud, you're clothed with the strength of David. That kills Goliath. You're clothed with it. So let us throw off every weight and hindrance. It makes a lot more sense. I told Brian Simmons that. He immediately emailed his publisher to change it in the Passion Translation. It's awesome. He's, he checked it. I was right. He's like, I need to change that Hebrews 11 word. Anyway. However, there is a wisdom that we continue to speak of when we're among the spiritually mature. Say that to me. Okay. Three of you believe that's you. I'm telling you, you got so much Bible teaching in you, you should be raising the dead just by walking by graveyards, all right? You are so well placed in history. Aren't you grateful for your, your setting in the timeline of God? You got thousands of Christians rooting you on in this room. Open your eyes. Abraham is shouting, You can do it! Say, I am spiritually mature. That's better. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Hallelujah. That's principalities. That's not people. Mm. Catch yourself. Change your mind. Instead, I heard it. I heard it really loud, Gigi. I heard the thought, yes, he's not going to be voted back in. I heard it. <laughs> i'm having so much fun with you instead we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from god hidden before now in a mystery it is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory none of the rulers of this present world understood it world orders understood it for if they had they never would have crucified the lord of shining glory this is why the scriptures say and by the way that's a proof of what i just said jesus said the prince of the power of the air comes he has no hold on me the ruler that crucified the crown of glory was the prince of the power of the air, not Pilate. Okay. Things never before, never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine, thing, these are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities by the Spirit, by the pictures of the Spirit. Are you following? Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of the world system but the spirit of God. So that we might come to understand and experience. Say, understand. And experience all that grace has lavished upon us. Yes say, all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit, not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words, someone living. In an entirely human level, on an entirely human level, rejects the revelation of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Illumination there is words, imaginations. The imagination of the Spirit is what illuminates the things of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, say, all things. And they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord well enough to become his counselor? Is there one more? That's it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there's a verse that we don't have on there. Here it is. The kicker. Christ has. Who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? It, it finishes with Christ has. And we possess... Christ's perceptions is what the Passion Translation says. You possess the perceptions of the person of Christ. So powerful. It says in the ESV, who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Now check it out. I've taught for years that the word repent doesn't mean to turn around because it doesn't. It means to change your mind. But it's actually, even that is a partial definition. I found something in the concordance, and it was inspired by a footnote I read. The word repent is metanoia, and it means more than simply changing one's mind. It means to take another mind. It literally means to exchange the mind. It's the mind that matters. So let me give you something practical. How do we get our mind right? Because I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you, heavy, heavy, right? Here's the practical thing. Here's the answer. Are you ready? Do you want the practical thing? All right, we'll see you next week. I'm going to have the team. Co- I'm just joking. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's so fun. Here's the practical thing. You want wisdom in your mind? You want your mind to be full of wisdom? Worship. Worship is the key. It's called the key of David. Worship is the key. I'll prove it to you. The Hebrew word for worship, shakha, literally means to fall prostrate or whatever, but it also means to bow down, okay? It means to bow down. I heard the best definition of that. I'm going to get up here. So you can see me. The best definition of that was by Ray Hughes. It means to put your head below your heart. Your head below your heart. To make your head submit to your spirit. If you place your head below your heart, wisdom rolls downhill. We're all trying to get the 18-inch journey. Oh, I need wisdom. Brr, I need wisdom. Oh, Lord, send me wisdom. Get it up to my head. Bubble up. And God's like, just worship me. You'll get it. Just Poof. the things he's spoken to your spirit, gravity is a reflection of God's nature. The things created expresses divine nature, Romans chapter 1. So gravity happens. He speaks to your spirit. That's my elbow. And it can go down to your head real easy if you take and dip it down. If you bow down and worship, that's how wisdom rolls downhill. I'll prove it to you. Proverbs 9.10. We have it on the screens. ESV. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that word fear is worship with reverence. The awe and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The Passion Translation, same verse because I love it. The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has living understanding. When we worship, wisdom rolls downhill. We submit our minds to the things of the spirit realm and let the wisdom manifest through the fear of the Lord. When we worship, true wisdom is revealed. Amen? Amen. I need the restoration team to come up here very quickly because I went long. Run up here. That's just a good word. Your mind is beautiful. Say, I'm going to take another mind. That's what it means to repent. So, we have... uh, Okay, good. Here it is. All right, the team's coming up. We have some words of knowledge because we believe that we're conduits. We believe that we can hear from the Spirit and translate it with our mind, and we can call out things that God wants to heal. We drop words of knowledge every every, uh, week. So maybe here are online someone named Hector Rodriguez. The Lord is saying, come home. Hector Rodriguez. Is there a Hector here? Just raise your hand. They said maybe here or online. So, Hector, if you're watching, the Lord says come home. Hallelujah. Somebody praise God for that. That's so good. The other word of knowledge was right calf pain. Right calf pain, if you have pain in your right calf. And I'm getting a pain in my lower left back right here. So if you have pain in your lower left back, I'm just going to say that's a word of knowledge. I don't know if it is or not. But amen. We spell faith, R-I-S-K. That's how we spell faith. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to pray to close. Come on. Say, I have a beautiful mind. Say, I'm going to prosper in my thinking. Yes, you are. <laughs> Your mind just got unveiled. Amen? So this house believes that anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come because we become one with the three in one. And if you never heard the message that you are one with God right now, we want to invite you right now To say yes to that union with Christ. To say yes to him coming and ruling in your heart. It's about exchanging life. The Christian life is not a transformed life in as much as it is an exchanged life. Galatians 2.20 says it is, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh or the body, I live by faith in, of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So if you've never said yes to the faithfulness of Jesus, if you've never said yes to his sacrifice being enough for you, that you don't need to punish yourself, this team is here for you to come to pray for you. Scott, can you come down here too? I'm going to have Scott too just to bolster the team. And Jimmy, can you come up here too? Thanks, buddy. If you have other tasks, just delegate them. I don't know. (laughs) So we want you to have the opportunity to receive healing in your body, healing in your soul, healing in your spirit. Because when God does it, he makes you leap, walk, walk, leap, and praise God. Just like the man at the gate, beautiful. He went in walking because his body was healed. He went in leaping because his emotions were healed, his soul. And he went in praising because his spirit was set free. And if any of those things are in bondage in your life, don't leave without receiving prayer. Amen? We want you to have a revelation of your one, your union with Christ. Amen? Is that fair? So if I didn't call out a word of knowledge that means something to you, come down anyway. Sit and soak after this or see us at Fresh Start. You don't have to leave. But we want everyone here to have an opportunity to encounter Jesus. Amen? Amen. Has anyone encountered him already? Anyone? Yeah, come on. So good. That's how we know we're winning. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your mind in ours. Your mind coming. We exchange our mind for yours. We repent. We take another mind this morning, and we thank you, God, for your perceptions being plain. Thank you, Jesus, for your perceptions being plain. Let's pray that together. Thank you, Jesus, for your perceptions being plain in my mind, being plainly seen in my mind. Yes, Lord. We thank you, God. We call every prodigal home right now. Everyone who's never said yes to you. Everyone who's lacking joy, peace, and righteousness, we call you in right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for peace reigning in our city. We cry, we cry out for the lost, even the ones who aren't here, the ones watching on the line, online, the ones in our city. We say, come home, be found. I cry out for the free right now, the found right now, to be free of everything that hinders them. And, God, we thank you that we're going to be a conduit of peace in Tampa Bay. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for coming.